knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Back to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast brought to you by Wild Edge Inc. If you're just joining us for the first time, my name's Walt and I'm your host each and every week. And on this podcast, we do things a little differently where we, we tell exciting stories and, and adventures. And sometimes we mix it up with some tips and tricks and some advice from some of the uh, different uh, subject matter experts that come on the show. We have some repeat guests that uh, tend to come on periodically and share their knowledge in little, you know, uh, finite areas. And we hope that that just excites you and and, uh, encourages you to get outside and enjoy your outdoor passions. Now, this week, we're doing part two to the Kansas trip. Now, for a lot of you, you weren't probably listeners of the podcast when we recorded part one and unfortunately we tried twice to record part two uh probably over the past course of the past year but between scheduling conflicts and then uh not feeling too good about the one recording that we did do we finally sat back down i drove to gainesville and re-recorded part two of chase's hunt in kansas now for those of you who have joined the show in the in the last 20 episodes or so you probably don't know about this i'm going to give you a little bit of a backstory Chase is a good friend of of mine that we met uh, through social media, through hunting podcasts. We were both a guest on the Nine Fingers Chronicles podcast, and through that we got to chatting. And uh, the first fall that Chase and I knew each other, he told me that he was going out to Kansas, and I asked him if he wanted to do a part one and a part two where we kind of chronicled the thought process that went into the hunt and then the result afterwards. So on this episode, you're going to hear about how the hunt itself actually went to the trials and tribulations that Chase had to endure uh, up there in, in uh, Kansas. It was a, a great episode. It's a hysterical story at times, and I, I really hope you enjoy it. And if you want to, you can go back on our previous episode to episode 17, which is titled Kansas Part 1 with Chase Prince. Uh, that's back from last August, so you're getting it uh, over a year from the time in which... Uh, uh, we recorded part one, and I apologize for that, but it's going to be a cool chronicle uh, of what happened. So I encourage you to go back and listen to episode 17 and then listen to the current episode or in reverse order, however you want to go about it. But uh, it's a good story. I guarantee you you're going to enjoy it, and uh, and I'm not going to waste too much more time talking about this. But before we get to the show, I do want to say thank you to Wild Edge, Inc., the maker of the simplest, most versatile climbing system in the deer woods. If you need to get up 20, 30 feet and you want to have the lightest way to do so, check out the stepladder by Wild Edge, Inc., www.wildedgeinc.com. And with that, let's get to the show. Almost a year apart we recorded these. How about that? It's pretty close. Almost. Well, we tried to do it a lot we did. sooner. We did. Well, guys, I am in Casa de Prince. Uh, I am. Uh, I traveled across the country for y'all today. I have driven to uh, the land of all evils. I am closest to, to Gainesville, Florida. I have ever been sitting across the, the room from a guy with a blue and orange shirt on. That's Chase. right. Go Gators. <laughs> <laughs> I, my, this week's guest is Chase Prince. Dude, how you doing? Ah, oh, man, I'm doing great. I'm getting ready for uh, the hunting season coming up. We got officially one week is the countdown for Zone C here in Florida. And on a scale of 1 to 10, how prepared are you? I would say a 2. 
<laughs> um, I haven't prepared as much this year. I'm kind of taking the approach of staying out this year. I'm doing uh, – I know what I need to do, basically, and I'm trying not to uh, intrude as much as I would in the past. A lot Usually I'd be out there a month before time putting out corn, putting – cameras up trying to get an intel and all that stuff but this year i'm going to try to play it a little bit different because i think i push a lot of the deer out early and i want to try to get some deer on a feeding pattern this year early season as opposed to um going in putting out corn hoping that they'll be there day one and then they usually disappear a week or two before the season, I was like, man, I wonder why those deer disappeared. Well, so I'd been in there for a month, <laughs> yeah. leaving my scent, putting mm-hmm. stuff out, and they disappear. So this year, I'm I'm kind of trying to play it a little bit different and see what happens. So the, it, it's been interesting, the the relationship that we've built over a couple years now, right? Like two years? Um, A year and a half, probably. A year, year and a half. S- somewhere around there. Um, that's encompassed two full deer seasons, and it's been fun watching your thought process evolve here, like how you approach things, because I think you went about it in a very uh, standard issue way, uh, or at least closer to one, right before I met you. The first summer, you were out like every day putting out cameras. You were heavily immersed. You had this kind of like, I'll hunt these these uh, secondary areas early season, leave my core spots alone. Um and then now this year you're you're taking even more of a like hands off approach in that. Yeah, I want to try this approach. Like I said, I have dove in a bunch before in the past doing stuff like that, and I've been hunting hard for probably the last eleven or twelve years, and it always seems a lot of times like you, like I said you're getting the same results every year. Like you're you go in, you kill a decent buck, but you, you're never really on a lot of the mature deer. Um, and I think it's just, I, I want to try something different. And you hear all these podcasts and guys talking about how they're thinking outside the box. They're not doing everything that everyone else is. And I started hunting a little bit later. I didn't grow up as a kid hunting. I started in my 20, early 20s hunting. And I just followed kind of what everyone else was doing because I'm like, oh, that's what it, they do. You go out, you dump some corn out, you put some cameras out, and then you hunt the same stand the whole season, basically. Like, yeah. you, you put a couple of stands up, and they're stationary. You're, I, I didn't know a lot about mobile hunting or anything like that. So uh, just through research and things like that, I've kind of evolved, and now I'm just trying – new things because like i said i've killed i've killed a bunch of deer it's not that i haven't killed a bunch of deer or anything like that i just want to try some different stuff and see how it works out yeah and that standard one i mentioned earlier that standard style of hunting in the south i think particularly the idea is find a good spot and sit it and sit it enough eventually something comes by and it does work for some people but i think by and large you know deer pattern patternable critters and they i think the older ones start to pick up on those patterns, right? Like, you know, box blinds, you know, deer start to forget about box blinds. People say, I don't really think they ever forget about it. I think they shift their, their patterns. And whenever I've sat in those big constructed towers, you know, you know, what I'm talking about like the standard issue, you tend to not see very mature deer. You get inside the wood line 50 yards or so on the side of whatever it is that that's looking, let's say like a little mini food plot or something. That's when I've started to, to see older deer, uh more consistently so right yeah i have i haven't hunted a bunch of box blinds but i do have a tripod stand but it sits on an open power line and it's the the deer don't even pay attention to it i mean you can be sitting up in it it's whatever 15 feet they'll walk right by and they they don't even look up at it i mean just because but it's a huge open area so for a buck to be like oh i'm not going to cross but that's when i'm gun hunting basically with my muzzleloader or rifles not bow season or anything like so it's a little bit easier you don't have to be as close to the deer when you're in a box blind or whatever um and if that box blind's been there for 10 years i mean they're probably used to it i mean as long as you're not out there shooting at deer every time they come out in a box blind then they're probably like ah there's nothing to worry about it all depends on how you're hunting out of uh the box blind as well um, so that's one thing that you got to think about when you're hunting out of blinds or stationary. So 
we have a primary topic of the day. It's uh, part two to your Kansas hunt. We recorded almost the same time last year um, a part one, which kind of went into the tactics and how you were preparing to go out of state. Um, but before we get there, uh, our guests oftentimes send us a lot of messages because they hear me talk about how Florida is kind of a different state, right? You have a daily limit. That's almost unheard of in most other states. You know, we've got different ruts and things like that. And just to add a little more to that conversation, you come from one of these pockets where I consider it to be kind of unique in the state of Florida, where you have, correct me if I'm wrong, pretty good deer population and pretty good genetics. Yes, both. Yeah. I mean, I live in Alachua County, which is one of the top, I believe, one of the top five counties in right. Florida for size. Mm-hmm. And it has actually has the number one typical for the state of Florida. See? All time. And that was what, like 175 or something like that, 174? This one, I think he's around 160. Right. I mean, I mean he's an eight point yeah. or, or nine point. That's 160 right. inches. Yeah, I mean, massive deer. Yeah, I mean, he looks mm-hmm. huge for on a 150 or 65 pound frame. Right. So he looks absolutely massive. Well, as you drive through this country, you can tell that it's got better food sources to begin with. You know, the closer I got here, I got off on 75 and I'm coming south. I started watching. You've got a little bit of terrain to what you've got here. You've yeah. got some, some better soil, obviously, than what, what I'm dealing with uh, and a lot of other places. And I started to see like, okay, well, this is why his standards are. Right. And we have agriculture. Mm-hmm. We have there's guys that plant corn, peanuts, watermelons. I mean, there's all kinds of ag around this area too, which uh, helps out. And I believe the genetics for this area, I think we got them from right. Wisconsin yeah. or somewhere around there. So they're before. bigger bodied. I mean, I've killed deer early season that weigh 190, 195 pounds in right. this area. Now during the rut, obviously they lose close to 20% of their weight. So I'll kill them around a hundred and, 50 to 165 pounds usually middle of november when they're rutted out right right things like that's still that's even bigger than most what most people are killing yeah. throughout the rest of the state and these bucks are rutted out so exactly they definitely have lost 25 percent of the body mass right. yeah 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 so what uh going into your seasons you know like just good food good conditions ideal circumstances what size buck are you looking at at, at for harvesting as a minimum at a minimum yeah Oh, man, it's tough because it just depends. Some years it seems like I can't find mm-hmm. a decent buck, like on camera or just sitting. Like, like last year. It, last year was one of the yeah. – like the year before that, every time I sat, I was seeing quality deer. <laughs> and we all know how that went Yeah, um, from episode eight. But last year was one of those years where, I, I mean, I just couldn't get on a big deer. Now, my buddy, he, he saw several um, – nice bucks and he had several on game camera and i had several decent bucks on camera i mean i had a 10 point that i showed you that would probably score 130 inches beautiful close to it and a nine pointer probably in the 120 range that i had in one of my spots but they were more they they were late season they came in late season i didn't have them the whole season right on the property but i couldn't really find i mean i would love like say florida has their record book bucks or like 100 inches or better or something like that So I always try to shoot for somewhere around there, um, and sometimes it just depends. So I'm not going to say I'm not going to shoot a small oh, yeah, 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 buck yeah, yeah. or anything like that. Because um, like I say, we have the, the limits are two a day for the whole season. So yeah. it, it just depends on the situation. Like I said, if if my heart rate gets up a little bit and I'm feeling in that zone, yeah, then yeah, yeah. I may let an arrow fly. Um, but I, I usually tend – to target bucks that are over 100 inches right from for this area sure but that could be different like your area i mean if you see a 60 to 80 inch buck yep. you're like okay this is a good buck i'm gonna shoot it yep so just well and, and it's it's really interesting because i think unlike, unlike a lot of places in the state i would argue that both here and then kind of up in that northwestern portion of where i hunt probably in my opinion based on just not physical like hands-on experience so much but just looking at numbers and looking at the size of deer that are being harvested the closer you get to like that northwestern like south georgia where they have those plantations southwest georgia you start to get into like a variance of well yeah you could probably shoot for a 60 inch buck but i mean i've definitely seen 100 inch plus plus deer roaming around it's just you know it's pretty uncommon so yeah, I just I mean, think, out in the Panhandle area, yeah, for sure. Past where you're at, yeah, Chipley, and there's yeah. there's some there's some definitely some big bucks that are harvested, and then somewhere there's a couple of areas in the middle of the state, and then kind of where I'm at, where yeah. it seems to be uh, 
a few pockets right. throughout the state where they're like, oh, wow, there's actually some right. really quality bucks that th- the rest of the state doesn't see. Right. So episode 17, first episode I had had you on, you just reminded me, was eight. You're right. That was cool. That was a fun one. That was where – so we we linked up via the Nine Fingers Chronicles podcast. You were on there, and I, I was a diehard listener of, the, of, of, of Dan's show. Saw that you were a Florida boy, reached out. I think we pinged back and forth, exchanged numbers. And yeah. uh, episode eight, I had you on. Then episode 17, we recorded. And I'm only outlining this because we – that was a year ago and we've had, you know, a massive increase in following and the podcast has kind of shifted its format. Um, episode 17, we recorded an episode that was very unique. And what we wanted to do was kind of chronicle how guys, yeah, kind of pilot this idea, but how guys would leave their home state and go out of, out of state. The idea of how they picked their property, what their expectations were and how they prepared. And that's what episode 17 was. We, you discussed going to Kansas. We discussed um, how you you know you're buying preference points for Iowa. We went through the whole process, and as, and as just as a cliff notes, you went to Kansas thinking that you had a property locked up. Yep. Um, There's some drama, not bad drama, but there was a little bit of a, a an audible called there. Um, the weather wasn't quite what you expected it to be. Uh, no, the weather was the the weather was pretty close actually pretty close the weather wasn't bad right and you picked kansas because you were given uh you managed to get landowner access there this wasn't a public land hunt yeah um so there's a whole lot that we could unpack from what actually happened what's the where's the first step that you want to take your your adventure to to kansas of the first step i want to take well like you said we already kind of went through the planning process so i mean we're it was me and a buddy of mine that went he actually had the connection and i mean the first step is obviously you got to get out there so i mean we're we were 1200 miles away so we yeah just just a couple hours um we drove it all the way through we i mean we left it i think nine o'clock at night and then because we were waiting for him to get off of work off of his shift that day and we just boogied on over there and we went. We met the the landowner who was gracious enough to be like, "Hey, you guys can hunt on our property." And it was actually he wasn't actually the connection. He was like he was the property. There was a middleman on the connection that my right. buddy knew. So that he's like, "Hey, I've got some property you can hunt." Well, that kind of that first fell through because it was family property, mm-hmm. and he didn't know that there were already other people hunting on that property. Right. So when that fell through, he was scrambling <laughs> to find us a place to hunt. So he found a friend that owed him a favor out there that he knew had some property, but he had no idea about if there, he knew there were some deer on the property, but he didn't know anything else other than, yeah, you guys can come out. You're from Florida. You (laughs) see small deer. There's big bucks in Kansas everywhere. Basically just come out here. And so we met the, the landowner. I mean, he was a, he, he was a nice guy, but we got there and it was more of a cattle farm and it was blocks of land and they weren't, it wasn't like contiguous, blocks of land like it was like 80 acres here but it was like open pasture (laughs) with a couple of trees and then there'd be 100 acres across the street that was just a soybean field with like no trees on it and it was four i think it was around 400 acres or three 350 to four but it was none of it was together and there was very few spots that even looked Mm -hmm. huntable you know what i mean it was like there was a couple of trees here and there but there was no it's like, well, there's there's no bedding around here. Like, where are these deer going to hide? They're not just going to come out in the middle. They're not just going to stay out here in the middle. So we're like, okay, well, but the dude, he did show us, or the dude, the guy, he showed us some, a couple of sheds that he had found before. And one was a matching set. I mean, and it was just a stud matching set. But I'm like, well, all that means is that deer was here late season. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That doesn't mean he was here early season. Right. Uh, doesn't mean he's going to be here right now or he's – and he found those last year, so he, I mean, he could be dead. Mm-hmm. Who knows what happened? And so we're driving around that night. So I'm thinking we should probably be seeing some deer at least driving around. And we weren't even seeing any deer driving around. Like he was showing us the properties because, like I said, we'd have to drive a quarter mile down the road or whatever to be able yeah. to get uh, the property. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, I was like, man, we're not even seeing any deer coming out on these fields at night. And there was nobody hunting around there. 
I mean, there was there was, and there was no one hunting around there. So I'm like, oh man, this should be golden because this should be a honey hole. Maybe the deer are here just because they've been pushed over here. So we're driving around the area that night. I wasn't seeing much, and my buddy was like wanting to get the stands up like right away. He's like, man, we got to get these stands up. This, we got to hunt in the morning. We're in Kansas. He's one of those people that are just pumped all the time. Like everything, like the next buck that walks out is going to be a 180 inch buck, and he's going to kill it. Um, so he he's Mr. Super optimistic. So, which is good. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. great to go into hunting, especially thinking, later in the hunt. Like, when every you're probably deer, tired. every yeah. deer you see is a buck. Basically, yeah. I mean, he's just one of those guys. Like, there are no does in Florida because everything he sees is a buck. <laughs> is he the kind of guy that when he shoots it, it's a it's a hundred and forty inch, and then yeah, it turns... yeah, it's it's a monster, and then he gets to it, and he's well, let's get some ground shrink. <laughs> so we're we're putting up stands in the dark, just kind of like. And there were kind of observation stands, kind of how mm-hmm. they were set up. Like you would be able to see a long ways just to maybe get a game plan for the the next afternoon. Right. So we get our stands set up, and we go back to our hotel. And we had, we I had driven across some a cut cornfield that night. Well, the guy, the farmer out there said, "Hey, it's okay. You can drive across those." Well, he didn't realize I had just like regular road tires. So I drive across those. The next morning we get up, I got a flat tire. Like I've got a flat tire. And day so one. Day one. <laughs> first morning we wake up. But it was it was not I mean it was cold out that morning too. Yeah. I mean it was twenty five degrees that morning, twenty six degrees. Yeah. So you're thinking perfect weather. And this is probably November eighth or ninth when we were out there. So perfect we thought perfect timing, which I'll get to later. And so we got we got a flat tire. I go aired up. We go, we get set up in our stands. We're in Kansas. It's cold. It's a crisp morning. The sunrise is coming up. I mean, it's a bluebird skies. I'm thinking this is about to happen because I felt like I was in a decent spot maybe for deer to be funneling off this field. And I thought about my access not to bust everything off of the field that had been there and stuff like that. So... And sure enough, right out the rip, I have a doe walk right out in front of me at like t- coming off this field. She comes perfectly in front of me. I could have busted her like at 10 yards, but I'm like, there's no way I'm shooting a doe the first five minutes in Kansas. Right. I, I was too pumped thinking about, okay, Mr. Mister Big's fixing to come down <laughs> right behind her because it's that time of year. Yeah. So you're thinking, oh, oh, I'll shoot her. And then there's big boy watching me shoot her and she's running off with an, with an arrow in her. So walks right beside me. And I'd sat there a little bit longer, and then I had another doe, same exact thing. She can't – I mean, it would have been perfect if they were bucks because they both funneled down perfectly in front of me. I mean, I could have shot both of them at, like, 12 yards. Right. I mean, it was, it was nothing. And the does were bigger because I'm not used to – I mean, the does look bigger than our bucks in Florida because I'm like, I'm like, wow, that's a big deer. Um, and I thought about shooting the second one, but she was acting squirrely. Like she was almost acting like something was behind her. You know what I mean? Uh, like she kept kind of looking back and was acting kind of weird. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to shoot her because she's acting weird. And still, I'm an hour into my Kansas hunt. Right. So, but like I said, everything's perfect. And that was basically it for the morning. Like I had those two does come off. We sat till probably close to lunchtime because we were going to be checking in to an airbnb that we got which would which would will make the story at the end of this yeah um because we had decided going into it to have a backup plan and there was an airbnb within 20 minutes of this place that had a hundred acres that they said you could hunt as well if you stayed at the airbnb it cost more money but we had a backup plan right instead of staying at a hotel for a little bit cheaper, we could stay at a house that had property that we could also scout and hunt. Mm-hmm. So we're like, we got to check in at noontime. So we were going to hunt till noon. And my buddy, he never saw a deer. He never saw a deer that morning. I was the only, I saw, I think I saw a spike around mid morning that was out kind of running around, but just not a lot of deer movement for like the time of year it was and things like that. But I, had never been to Kansas or hunted Kansas, and I'd heard sometimes it can be slow, sure, depending on where you're hunting. Kansas, we, especially, that seems to be. We the case. were in northeast Kansas, so we weren't like out in west Kansas mm-hmm. where you see um, a little bit different terrain. We actually had terrain there, and there were hills. It wasn't flatland Kansas huh. like like you would think of. Um, so we get back to the truck. Of course, the tires flat again. So we're putting a spare on the on the truck so i'm like man this is i was like this sucks well like i said i've got a flat tire throw it up 
we get going, we get to the house. Well, we get to this house and I was like, oh man, this, this property, it looked, it was woods. Like right. it wasn't open ag or anything like, I was like, man, I was like, this actually looks a lot better than what we're hunting, um, on this other property. So we get there, we talk to the guy and, um, who's in charge of the Airbnb cause he was waiting on us. And he's like, oh yeah, he goes, yeah, you guys can feel free to hunt. He goes, I'll show you around the property if you want. And we're like, oh yeah, please do show us around the property. So he takes us around the property. I'm like, man, this almost looks like some of this looks kind of like Florida. I mean, there were some pine trees there. Um, there was an area which I ended up hunting that had, um, it had some hills and a Creek running through it. Right. Um, and a bot, nice bottom and stuff like that. I was like, man, I was like, but this looks way better than what we're, <laughs> what we're hunting. Plan A. <laughs> Plan A that's got 400 acres of Kansas that no one's hunted in a decade. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay, well, maybe I can see why there was no one that hunted this property yeah, in a decade. Yeah. So, especially bow hunt. Cause right. I mean, they have a rifle season as well. So we get set up, we scout and we're like, Hey, we are going to hunt the Airbnb tonight because we were running out of time. Like we didn't want to have to drive 20 minutes and we, neither one of us liked our setups for an evening time hunt right. that day. So I had my lone wolf set up, which I had prepared to go out there with. Yep. That was my running gun. My buddy, he had brought his climber, which actually panned out because you could actually get into some of the trees there in a climber. So I was like, well, I guess you can't. Because remember we had talked about yeah, that before, yeah, yeah. but I was like, well, don't bring your climber because <laughs> you're not going to need it. Well, we could use it where we were at, actually. So I get set up and I'm like, man, this. So I walk in, I set up in a random, random tree. And I say random, but I mean, it looked like a good spot. Right. And it was kind of on this creek and it was, I would call it a, I was in a saddle basically is kind of where, and I'd always kind of heard it's like, well, it's tough to hunt a saddle because of the wind. Right. Because it's swirling and everything else. But I'm like, well, I'm going to give it a try because I've got, this is just day one hunt and I'm just going to, it just looked awesome. And it was a perfect tree to set the lone wolf up in. So I'm sitting in my lone wolf and I hadn't been sitting there long and I had seen a couple of does and it was probably, it was about an hour before dark and I can see a buck up on top of this ridge that very first hunt. I was like, oh man, I was like, I was like, oh, there's a buck over there. And I hit my grunt. Like, I'm like, I'm just going to grunt at him because I'd heard, like we said, calling in Kansas works. It's not like in Florida, you hit a grunt, the buck might be in the next county in five minutes from now because he's running away from it. Right. Sometimes they'll respond, sometimes not. So I grunt at him and he kind of, he kind of looks up and then I hit the grunt one more time and he's just kind of moseying my direction. So I'm like, Oh shoot, there, there's a, and he looked good from where I was at. So I'm like, okay, I need to get ready. So I get my stuff ready. He's coming around. He crosses the Creek and he's probably 15 yards from me. And I I had to turn like full 180 mm-hmm. in the stand to be able to get a shot and I only looked at him for probably like, who knows, like five seconds. They, oh, I was like, oh, shooter, shooter. Because I'm thinking, I was like, well, I just came from Florida seeing all these deer. So I'm, yeah. I was like, oh, this looks like a shooter to what me. Was, what was grabbing you? Size of the rack or the size of the uh, body? What was no, it? No, he, he looked, the, the, he, he definitely had a big body. Okay. Um, decent sized rack. And I had seen, because I'm kind of, I was thinking about, okay, what, the place we were at and I'm like, man, I was like, this may be my chance in Kansas because this other place didn't look, I mean, it didn't look promising at, I had no good feeling about, it. you know, you right. just, you just yeah, don't yeah. have a good feeling Instinct about something. Instinct just tells you nothing's going to happen. Yeah. It's happened before, uh, with hunt. So I'm like, I was like, this is, this could be my chance. I've got a buck in bow range and he's walking while I didn't want to stop him. Cause I'm like, well, he, he was already on alert from the grunts and stuff. So I was like, well, I don't really want to stop him. I'm going to take a shot. Cause he was walking slow. So, um, and I knew he was within 20 yards. So I put the pin on him, let it fly, hit deer. He runs probably 15, 20 yard stops sitting there. He like looks around and then I see him like going. Cause like I said, there was, this was in a bottom. So he had to go right. up a hill. So I just see him start kind of running up this hill and I'm like, Oh my goodness. I've shot a deer like the very first day in Kansas. <laughs> I was like, we've got six more days here. And I, I hadn't heard from my buddy. I, I he had kind of texted me, but all that had happened. So he was kind of like, Hey, have you seen a deer? Have you seen this? I'm like, well, yes, I have seen a deer. <laughs> so I sit for probably 
20 minutes because I'm like, I want to see what the arrow – because I could see the arrow in the ground. Like, right. I had gotten a full pass through right. on this deer. So, I get down. I look at the arrow. It's I mean, it's covered in bright red blood. I mean, it's just absolutely covered in blood. So, I'm like – I was like, well, that's a good sign. So, I get I go get back up in my stand, and I'm like, well, I'm just going to go ahead and get – I'm just going to sit here for a little bit longer, and then I'm going to get down and – I'm just going to leave the stand overnight because I, like, I, I, who cares at this point? I've already shot my deer because mm-hmm. you only get one tag in right. Kansas. And get down. Well, I'm like, well, I'm just going to walk because he went out the way I would have to walk out to get back to the house because I literally walked fr- from the house to the spot I was hunting. And so I'm like, okay, I'm just going to follow his blood trail up towards where I walked out of the woods into this opening. And sure enough, I'm following his blood trail, and it looks, like I say, the red carpet treatment, because I'd shot, it was like a Rage tripan. I'd put a Rage, mm-hmm. they were new from last year, and I mean, there was just blood everywhere. I was like, man, how is this deer not dead? Because I followed it out like 100 yards, and I'm like, where is this deer at? Because I mean, there's just blood squirting mm-hmm. everywhere. And I get out to the opening, and I was like, well, I don't see the deer anywhere. I mean, because he went out into the opening, but he had kind of crossed back left to get into some woods. Um, later on, so I'm like, I was like, well, where's this deer? I'm like, because in Florida, you sh- if you shoot a deer like that and you got a blood trail like that, they're normally 30 yards away. It's yeah. not even, but I was like, well, they are a little bit bigger deer yep. and the shot felt good, but I, I kind of thought the shot was a little bit low from the get go, but I wasn't, I couldn't have been a hundred percent sure, but I saw so much blood. I'm like, well, this ain't a low shot. This isn't a low shot right here. There's just right. so much blood going on. So I finally get a hold of my buddy. I'm like, "Hey, I shot it." He's like, "Oh my gosh, you shot a buck the first night we're here." He's like, "That's normally something I would do. Not you're more like Mr. Holdout, and I'm you're over here shooting a buck the very first night." So I'm like, "I was like, well, I was like, well, let's." I was like, "Let's kind of." And then the blood had stopped a little bit once we got out to the opening. Like there were a couple of drops, like every ten yards. So we're like, "Hey, let's go eat dinner. We'll come back in a couple of hours, and then we'll take up the blood trail from the last spot." So we went and ate dinner. Came back and it was cold. It was a cold night, so I wasn't really worried. I should, thinking back, we should have just left, left the deer alone for the rest of the night, and probably not came back. But right. I, the blood trail was just so convincing. I, I let the blood trail dictate what I was doing, and I should have just let him. I should have just what, let him wait overnight, anyways. What indicator, looking back, would have, would have told you that though? Because I'm be honest with you, I get a hundred yards with a solid blood, even if it goes even if it goes across the field and disappears. Right. I'm liable to keep going too. What right. would what would have triggered you to stop? The only thing that I can think of that would have triggered me to stop was with the blood trial I saw, I thought he would have been dead a lot sooner to to be honest, I thought he would have been dead a lot sooner. Right. And um really, like you said, there wasn't a whole lot telling me to stop. Other than I didn't find him within that first 100 and 150 yards right. of, of tracking him. And so we went back that night and looked, and we found more blood, and he w- got on a fence line. Well, he had walked this fence line, and it looked like he had gone under it once, jumped back over it. It was a weird, it was a weird blood trail huh. going all the way through, uh, uh, down a fence line. And so we followed it, and it looked like it was a spot where he went under the fence. But then – you could go 10 more yards and there was blood still down that fence line. We're like, well, okay, well then he didn't go in it. Maybe he thought about going into the right. fence, but decided not to because he didn't jump it. He definitely would have, cause you could see where it looked like he may have brushed up against like a rock underneath mm-hmm. the fence. So we kept going, we get to a spot down at the bottom and it looked like he had bled there for just a little bit and just no deer. Like I'm like, I was like, well, at this point we had searched for like another hour and I'm like, well, my, I knew my buddy was going to want to hunt in the morning and right, everything right, else, right. and it was getting late, and um, and we were just messing up all of the the hunting. If for some reason I didn't get this deer, we're messing up the right. the hunt for because it wasn't a huge chunk of land. So we get out, and at this point, I hadn't even told you or anyone else no, that I had shot a deer. No. Like I'm still going, oh, I hadn't shot anything or whatever. Yeah. Um, or you no, know, I had said I had shot a deer to some people, but I was like, well. I didn't find him. I'm like, well, I haven't found him. So we get up the next morning. So I go sit the next morning. I'm like, I'm just going to sit for a while, see what I can see. Right. And uh, my buddy, he went and sat on his spot. Well, I saw 
I had another buck that next morning um, come out, and I was like, no, I've already shot it. This up. And it was about the same size. And then I saw a buck later that morning that was that actually the only really sign of chasing I saw the whole time was this buck came out, and he looked almost identical to the buck that I had shot. And I was like, I was like, that looks, but it was from further away. I was right. like, that looks just like the buck I shot last night. I'm like, how he's already out. He's already chasing right. the does yeah. again. I'm like, this is weird because I hadn't found him. So I get out. I look a little bit that next morning. Did you did you try and kill the the second? Did you try and like get him closer to see if it was him? Or? I tried. I grunt. Well, that was the thing. I grunted at him and he acted real weird about the grunt. So I'm like, okay, well, I was like, man, maybe this is yeah. that deer because I'm like, he's on he's tilt. Gun shy. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. really gun shy. And I was like, well, maybe he that whatever happened the night before, and. He kind of chased the does a little bit, and then he was gone, so right. I never saw him. So we get down. So I got down early because I'm like, I still want to look just to make sure. So I went to where we last found blood, and I'm, I had walked across this area where we thought he had went under the fence, and there was just never any blood on the other side of the fence that we could find, like, anywhere. So I'm like, I was the only thing I think, I was like, well, maybe I hit him uh, – a little bit low and it just missed anything but i was like there was just so much blood on the arrow and on the blood trail i was like i was like man this deer has to be bit like in the back of my eyes like he's got to be dead somewhere we just hadn't found him yeah and so we get done hunting my buddy came and he helped me look for a little while and i'm like and it, it was cold the whole time so i really wasn't worried about losing the meat or anything like that because i'm like it's it's been it was like 25 in the morning and it would get up to like 35 36 right. so it wasn't really that bad um so we get done that day and we at this point we're going back into town because i'd had a flat tire we're trying to get my tire fixed because we knew five days from now we're going to be driving 1200 miles again so i didn't really want to be driving on, on the, the spare yeah, 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 yeah. the whole way home um so we spent a lot of time doing that well i also had another tire that was going low at the same time and <laughs> and it, it was a tire that wasn't pluggable it was on the inside uh, uh of the tire so yeah. you couldn't you couldn't uh plug or pass so i had to get new i had to get by the end of the trip i ended up getting four new tires basically <laughs> because three of them had holes in them from that an initial from drive that initial that, driving yeah. across the corn stalks um they all had like little pinholes yeah. um, on the sidewall and pro, you can't you can't repair that pro tip 21 when, yeah, when pro in tip kansas. 21 when in kansas if you don't have like 10 ply tires <laughs> don't drive across the corn stalks so anyway, so we do all that. My buddy, he had seen a few small deer, and he he really hadn't seen much um, at that point. And we decide, okay, well, we've hunted this little piece a couple of times now. We've walked quite a bit over it. Let's go back to the original piece. Right. Take another sit, because like I said, he still had his tag for sure. And we go sit there, and it was the same. It was like a ghost town again. Like I saw two does way i mean 500 yards off in the distance coming out to like a little soybean field that the guy still had standing um and my buddy still had yet to see a deer on that property so of course we're like okay let's go back we'll go back and we'll hunt the airbnb the next morning we get up that next morning i had moved my stand to a area that i thought was like a pinch point type deals mm-hmm. there was i could tell that it looked like maybe there's a, a ton of traveling going going like 20 yards to the north of where I had my stand. So I'm like, I'm just going to set up right here. And I hadn't found the deer. Like I said, I hadn't found the deer at that point. So I'm sitting in the stand that morning while I have a nice 10 point walk, right. I'm talking about right. to, But it was just a little too dark. I mean, it's one of those where you could like pull back, you could see in your people, but I really couldn't get a good shot on the deer. And I'm like, well, I've already, I thought I'd already taken a bad shot on the deer once. Right. So I'm like, I'm not taking the shot. It's, it's not a shot for me to take. And, uh, so he walks off and I'm like, oh man, that was, I was like, that was a nice deer. I just, like I said, I just I yeah, couldn't yeah. do it. And in but the back he, of my mind, I'd always thought, I was like, I've already got a deer down. Yeah, I just haven't I found him yet. I haven't found him yet. So, and usually I'm a pretty lucky guy. So I get down that morning. I'm like, well, I'm still going to go look for this deer right so i'm getting down and i'm like oh man i was like well there's one area uh that i haven't scouted yet on this farm i said i'm just gonna walk in that direction so i'm walking walking through the woods and i come around and i was coming around to the back side of the house because the house was on a hill like it was mm-hmm. literally a house on a hill and then everything else was down below it and i'm walking 
And sure enough, I'm, I get within like 100 yards of the house down at the bottom of this hill, and there's my buck. He's dead within 100 yards of the house. Like, you just couldn't see it because there was just tall yeah. stuff all behind the house. Yeah. You, you wouldn't have been able to see him. And he's just sitting there, just just laying there dead, just in the wide open, basically. And I'm like, well, how – I never would have thought he would have ended up where yeah. he was. Like, there was no how sign far? to me. Um, he, from that point, from where we last found blood, it was probably another 300 yards, probably. That's three, not bad. three to 400. Yeah. Um, as the crow flies, I guess. Right. So, and I mean, I'm like, well, I was like, well, I'm glad I didn't shoot that other buck because I had already <laughs> killed a buck. And I looked at the shot. The shot was a hair back. It was almost like a liver. It was pretty much like a liver shot. Right. Um, and thinking back, I was like, well, duh, that makes sense because I had never shot at a moving deer with my bow. They'd always been stopped. And I had seen someone like John Dudley or somebody is like, oh, don't spook the deer. Take the shot. Like if they're moving slow, yeah. that way they can't, they're not going to jump the string or anything like that. So I just never compensated for him taking a step. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. So my miss was that window of him still moving. I aimed where I always aim at my target in the backyard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. Just because yeah. of instinct. Okay, this is where you aim. This is yeah. where I want to hit this deer. Yeah. And I hit him probably four or five inches back. And I'm pretty sure I just caught liver. I mean, it was liver and a little bit of lung, maybe like lower lung. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, he was all stiff. I mean, he had been dead. It looked like he had been dead for a day or so. Um, so I found, so I found the deer, and I tell my buddy, I'm like, "Hey, man, I found my deer. I guess I'm doe hunting for the rest of the time." But I still hadn't told anyone back home that I'd found the deer. Like I'm still like texting him, like, "Hey," and I'm sending you video of deer walking under because when I found that spot. Cause I was on, but my buddy, he had seen a couple of deer that morning. So he was still excited about his area and he, and he had seen what he called a giant eight point, which take that for whatever you will, um, that same morning, right. but it, who was coming in, checking some does and he could just never get a shot on him. I mean, he said he tried to call, he called at him, but he mm-hmm. said he never, he wouldn't, he what he wasn't there to play. He was basically had does on his mind and. Um, my buddy didn't have a decoy out or anything like that, so he heard the noises, but he didn't. He didn't come to investigate. Right. He just kind of looked around, trying to see if he could see what was making those noises. Um, and he didn't. So he he really liked that area. So I'm like, well, I guess I'll just keep going and hunting my spot and see. And I was having deer cross by a, a lot more deer cross by me than he was, but he was just excited about that big buck that he had seen. So I'm hunting Adam, sending you video footage of like, hey man, look at this buck that's walking under my stand. He's like, you're like, dude, shoot him. I'm like, nah, nah, man, nah, I still think I killed that other deer. I'm not sure though. Yeah. Um, the whole, it went till like the end of the trip. That you never, I, you never even told me you had shot the other one. Right. Yeah. Well, I had shot. I I told you that I'd shot the deer. I just didn't, never told no. you I found it. I'm pretty sure I. You did. I sent you, you the did. arrow. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, oh, right. I struck. And then, but I, right, but I yep. told you I was like, well, I never found him. Right. That's what it was. And then I just. It was basically I, I never found him. And then I was just waiting on another buck to come cruising by, and I was just taking video footage of. But I never, getting back to the point, I never saw a giant in Kansas like driving around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hunting. I never saw. My buddy swears that he saw one. It was like one of the like the second to the last night that he just saw a huge 10 point that walked by him at like 45 yards, but he had no shot cause it was too thick. Yeah. Um, he called it as well. He's the same thing. He just kind of looked around, but didn't really care to play. Um, there wasn't a lot of sign out there. There was very, I, I didn't hardly see any fresh rubs. Um, I saw like one scrape, I think the entire, and I'm thinking, I was like, well, this is, I'm supposed to be seeing all this sign. Cause I'm like, this is Kansas. This is the rut time what's going on like there was yeah. no scrapes there was no rubs um and the only chasing i saw really the whole time was, was that, that one one buck. one buck chasing a doe so it was kind of weird i don't know if we didn't um hit it right for that area um but then we talked to a guy that we saw in walmart while i'm getting a new tire um he was hunting and he, same thing he had a flat tire as well so he was in walmart so if you go to kansas don't take your baby tires out there <laughs> for some reason <laughs> Get so we're talking to him and he was hunting public land. He was out there. He was hunting a piece of public, but it was like 40 miles to the West of where we were hunting at. And, uh, he said that bucks were chasing like crazy over there. Really? Like he was seeing 120, 130 class bucks. They were, they were, he hadn't shot one, but he would, he was seeing them out. 
mm-hmm. um, chasing does. All and his other buddy had shot one since they were there, and he just said that he was seeing four to five bucks chasing does every day while he was hunting. So. Who knows? I don't know what the were difference was. Were you able was. to pinpoint which WMA it was based on 40 miles from where you were? <sighs> yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there were some there were some management areas nearby where right. we were, and it didn't look like there was anybody hunting them, to be honest with you. But they were they were kind of cut cornfields with a little bit of trees here and there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They weren't big chunks of land that you would think of um, when you're thinking about like big public right, land. They were right. like small blocks that were around now he was hunting on a little bit bigger area but we we didn't we kind of put all of our eggs in the one basket but we did have a backup plan right so that that's the only thing that paid off um that buck he ended up scoring around 120 he was an eight point 120 my biggest archery buck so hey whatever i shot a i shot (laughs) my biggest archery deer what do you think that on that trip that big 10 point that you had at last light that that second to last hunt before you found your 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 uh um, what do you think he went? He probably went 135 or somewhere oh. around there. He looked uh, younger. He was a younger deer, but he had he had, looked like he had good genetics. Real tall, nice tines. He just didn't have the mass of an older deer, you know what I mean? Right. Like he had everything else. He just didn't have that, that prototypical mass that you would think of. So, I, like I said, I never saw a big deer. My buddy swears he saw like 165, 170-inch 10-point or 12. He couldn't tell. He just – he knew for sure it was a 10-point. So – but he saw that deer, like I said, another nice 8-point that he saw, and then he didn't hardly see anything else the rest of the time other than some does and like a couple of – like a spike and a 4-point. Um, some spot. So, I saw way more deer than he did. Right. Um, I just didn't see – the quality that I thought I was going to see, and I didn't see the activity that I thought I was going to see. But I didn't know, like I said, that Airbnb said you could hunt there. Well, I found out later on that there were already a couple of guys hunting the week before right. we were there. So that was a small piece of property. And I had noticed that the does were always on edge when I was where I was at. <laughs> like the does were all, like, they were blowing at you from a mile away. And I'm like, I was like, what is going on here? And like I said, I found out later on that there were some guys hunting. And they had both shot bucks as well. Like they had both shot um eight points i believe before we got there we just we didn't know that probably the two 180s that were there yeah probably (laughs) um but i don't i don't think they were that big but we didn't we didn't know that but like i said it it turned out good i mean i killed a buck i went out to kansas right i did kill a buck um i was thinking earlier like before you came i was like well i never even thought about like how much it cost me to go so i started thinking about i was like well the tag's around 500 bucks with the license. Like right. you, you buy the tag and you got to buy the license. So it's like 500 something bucks. I figured I probably spent 300 on lodging maybe because we split it up. Like we split up the lodging, the gas. Same. I probably spent like a couple of hundred bucks on gas, something. And okay, well, and then on food, but you're going to spend money on food here. So it's not right. like it's that much of a difference. Right. Um, so maybe another hundred bucks. I was like, well, I probably spent thirteen hundred bucks, twelve to thirteen hundred bucks. But then I was like, okay, well, I also had to get new tires. <laughs> uh, but I was gonna have to get new tires, whatever. Twenty thousand miles later, so I was like, well, I just had to get tires earlier than I. They weren't like they were all brand new tires. Oh, thank goodness. So I, that's had, good. yeah. I had thirty five thousand, forty thousand miles you. on them. So, but they, I mean, they all still had great tread on them, yeah. of course. <laughs> so. But like I said, you got to think. Okay, well, I drove three thousand miles on my truck. I put three thousand miles on my truck. Little change. Yep. Um, driving out there, driving around, and then coming back was. Yep. I, I was a little over three thousand miles. So you're putting three thousand miles on your vehicle if you're going to drive out there. Um, and like I said, I wish we would have kind of looked into more public for a backup plan. But like I said, we just thought we were golden based on what the guy was telling us. Like right. we went on information that we had from a guy that doesn't hunt like this dude he didn't hunt he just knew that there were big deer out in kansas and and had seen them now you okay you relied on hunting info from a man who doesn't hunt it wasn't necessarily hunting in it was more of observation if someone who doesn't hunt is telling you they're seeing a lot of deer, they don't have an interest in it. You know That's what I mean? True. I see what you're it's saying. Like a, I see what you're oh, saying. I see big bucks. All that they made, he made it sound like it was just second nature to yeah, see yeah. Uh, big bucks. And even that first night when he left us, he sent us a text 
Send his buddies, hey, man, I just saw three bucks chasing a doe driving down the highway. So we're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're in the money, man. <laughs> this is it. So, But we drove around quite a bit. I never – there was one day that we did an all-day sit, but, I mean, I'd already shot my buck. I'm right. not going to sit all day if I've already shot yeah, yeah, my yeah. buck. I was kind of doing more scouting for my buddy. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go sit over here. If I'm seeing a lot of action, you should come over to where right, I'm at. Right, 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 right. And he was just so fixated on – the buck he had seen a couple of days before that he, he, he really liked that area as well. So he, he was putting all of his eggs in one basket right. for that area. And like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad experience at all. I mean, it was still fun getting away, being out in nature. The weather was great basically the entire time. Can't complain about the weather at all. Um, like I said, the only, the only thing is, me taking the a shot on something that I had never done before is the only right. only only thing I can go back to is saying okay well I took a questionable shot on this deer because I had seen it on TV from someone who takes a hundred <laughs> shots of a year on a yeah. deer you know what I mean yeah. I'm not doing that I'm not taking that many shots with my bow I don't know what these animals <laughs> are going to do um, so a couple of questions because we're facing a time crunch to right call Jeff. Um, would you return to Kansas? Do it all again. Yes, I would return to Kansas. What would you do differently? I would probably I would obviously do more research and try to figure out like say try to figure out some of the the better public areas to hunt if I was going to go back. Right. It, it would probably be public land. I actually tried to find out if that Airbnb was still available for this year. I called the guy back because I was like, if we get there before, because the other guys had yeah. gone a couple of yeah. years in a row. I was like, well, yeah. if we get there before those other guys a week, because they were there like November 1st through the 7th or right. something like that. I was so like, if well, you could do like up to the I was like, like if Halloween, we went like yeah. October to Halloween, I was like, we might be in the money because yeah. they're, they're still maybe on regular patterns and stuff like that. But I called him and they they weren't doing it anymore. Like it was basically they'd have like a couple of hunters. It's it's in Kansas with nothing mm-hmm. around it. I mean you're like you're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So it's not like it's a huge destination spot for anyone else to yeah, do yeah. Airbnb out there. So unfortunately they weren't doing that anymore because I was like, well we could stay there and then we could go scout these public yeah. areas within fifty miles yeah. of that house. Worst case scenario, you still have that to hunt. Yeah, if you still have it. the backup plan. Yeah. And. According to my buddy, there was 160, 170 class bucks <laughs> still that, that around. could yeah. still be on that property, and the and the neighbor had it looked like good bedding as well. Like he had a nice, like mm-hmm. the cedar thickets and all that stuff you yeah, think about yeah, 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 yeah. in Kansas. He had on his side of the property, so there there was there was something there saying, okay, you could come back to this right. area and probably make it work, but. I also want to go to other areas. So I'm not going to go back to Kansas as like my primary spot. Right. Now, I've got right now I've got 3 3 or 4 preference points for Iowa. So next year me and my buddy are going to put in to try to draw uh the Iowa tag and I want to go and experience some other areas as well. I don't want it just to be like yeah. oh, I, I go to Kansas every year. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Well, and even more more than just whitetail hunting, you and I are talking about like a mule deer coos deer hunt out in Arizona. We've we've discussed a lot yeah. of a lot of fun options. So yeah, when we were talking about that, I had to be like, "Oh, well, we're going to go out there and do that." So I, I have no <laughs> hunts planned for this year. So if you're listening, out of state. And you'd, so if you'd you're like to invite Chase out to hunt your whitetail honey hole, uh, don't worry, I'll try not to shoot anything on the first day. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm and usually, if he does, he'll try and find it three days later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll try. I'll try to find it within the hunt. <laughs> so, like I said, I, that was just a. I mean, it was a weird deal. I, I don't. I don't know. Like I said, if it, it it was a liver shot, so like I said, right. I didn't know. According to the blood, I mean, it was bright red right. blood. It wasn't like liver blood, or I knew it wasn't lung blood. It wasn't frothy. I almost was thinking it was heart blood, right. but I was like, well, he's not dead. I'm, yeah, you don't go four, yeah. four or five hundred yards with a heart shot on a whitetail. No, not with that tripan. No, no. I mean, not with any broadhead. You don't put a broadhead. Cut. Yeah, yeah. You put a one a one inch incision through a heart. Yeah. You're done after yeah, 100 no, yards. When max. he would have walked yeah. that 15 yards, he would, I thought he was going to fall over yeah. dead. I, I'd be willing to bet you hit like a space between the two because the buck that I shot in 2016, 15, I drilled his liver 
right. and he dropped 40 yards away. So I'd be willing to bet, if you look at the organs and how they line up, I'd be right. willing to bet you hit right where those lungs come through. You probably slice through a part of the backside of the lungs and just and nick the liver, and that's probably why he went as far as he went. Yeah, I bet you you couldn't make that. I bet you you couldn't aim and hit that same spot and get the same reaction again if you tried. Probably not. I mean, it was perfect. Right. It was perfect up and down. Like yeah. it was just that little bit of yeah, yeah, him yeah. taking a step back, and I was made just the like, difference. "Yep that 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 made the difference." So, but like I said, all in all, it was a good it was a good time. You got to, like I say, do some do yeah. the research, plan out what your budget is, because like right. I said, it it cost me what what do we say about fourteen hundred yep. bucks or somewhere around there. So could've, yeah, it yeah, could have yeah. been cheaper, a little bit cheaper had we stayed somewhere sleep in the back of the truck um else but then we wouldn't have i probably wouldn't kill a deer <laughs> yeah yeah no and, and and i think also it's incredibly important with the first time you go out there for it to be a comfortable experience so that you can make good decisions about what you're doing i obviously haven't done it but looking at it you're going to a piece of property you have a b and c plans a didn't work out B was, turned out to be, you know, the the best option for you. If you don't have B as your backup and it includes a house where or a place where you're comfortable and you can right. make those decisions, I think there's a lot of people who roughneck it when they go out west. And I think, like, the, I, I see potential for that to uh, add to a lesser experience, right? Like poor decision-making. Right. or Well, if, if we would have just went with step A – it would have left a bad taste in our mouth. Like we'd be like, "Oh, yeah. I'm never coming out of Kansas again, yeah. man. This, this, this is horrible." Your heart was wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it could have just been that place holds deer late season, right? Like, who knows? No one. I don't think anyone had ever bow hunted that area. It had been gun hunted in the past, oh, and really? that was over a decade ago. Like there. It, oh, you're talking about you're talking about Plan A. Plan A. Yeah, yeah. So the other place definitely looked bow mm-hmm. hunting. Like I said, th- those two guys had been there a couple yeah. of years. Well, next time you go to you go to Plan A and you just put corn out, problem solved. Because if you pour corn out, big deer come out. No, no, time. we we did that. We actually went out there and poured corn in an area. But I'm like, you're like, well, you're pouring corn down where there's a cut cornfield. But yeah, we I mean, we poured it out and put a camera out. And it was like there was nothing. Like literally, yeah. nothing came by in 24 hours. Florida tactics I mean, didn't pay off. I was like, well, that didn't work right here. It's not to say it won't work. Yeah. Further out, where you're in the cedar thickets and um, all that stuff, so cool. It, it just depends. It was a weird area. Well, when when you plan your trip to Iowa, we need to do this again. Yeah, we do. And when we finally go west, I think we need to do maybe like an in-depth series because there'll be so much of a dialogue between the two of us, like planning when yes, we do I'm, that. Yes, I'm looking forward to the west trip. I am trip. too. I am um, too. 20, 2019. Never done any type of spot and stalking, and that's what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. It's all spot yeah. and stock, and yep. I, I've had my eyes on a pair of binoculars, but I'm, I, we're not going out there this yep. year, so yep. I was like, well, I'm just not going to buy them this year. I'll wait. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm 2019, I'm going out. I am going to tag along hunt, so I'll have the money for the tag if I am physically capable of going after the game. Um, If I'm not, I'm saving that money, and the way I look at it is 2019 elk doesn't work out. I get my butt kicked. That's okay. I learn for next year because it's all over the counter. And that $900 for the tag tax and title, uh, that's a trip to Arizona for, for Coos Coos Deer. Yeah, because the tag itself is only like 300 bucks. 300 bucks, a $300 flight, and... You know, yeah, whatever the rental truck rent. is nothing because yeah. of, you know, where I work and my discount. So um, I think that's 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 my plan B for next fall is uh, if Elk doesn't pan out. So technically it'll be 2020 that it'll we, technically we would be, be there. 2020. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> and it'll January. be my birthday month. Uh, both of our birthday months. That's right. God, both I January. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're both yeah. January, so we're perfect. Years. Yeah, there you go. Well, dude, I appreciate you coming on for a second time. Round two, round one didn't work out too well, but I think round two was a was a round right. success. Uh, yeah, because I mean, success. I told you from the get go that if I killed a buck in Kansas, yeah. that I would drive to you, and I did. <laughs> he did. I feel my he bargain. did. He did. And it, it, this episode should have could have been released, but it was a like I said, I kind of felt like I left some stuff out on the table right. on the last one. I didn't really explain some things mm-hmm. that I would like to have. And you said you were kind of in a funk that day yeah, as well. Yeah. So it was mainly just me talking on it, that last it was, one. So. It was an odd recording. It didn't It didn't do justice, the story you had to share. So I drove down here this time and uh, 
we got it done, man. That's a cool story. I uh, I appreciate uh, being lied to for seven days until you finally found your deer. <laughs> well, was... I figured I'd leave some suspense <laughs> to it, man. It was the first night. <laughs> no. I was sitting there the rest of the hunt like, oh, I, like I said, I passed on yeah, deer yeah. that I probably would have shot otherwise, but I just knew that it was <laughs> I couldn't do it because my tag was filled. That's it. Well, guys, listen, if you like this kind of two-part series where uh, I talk to a hunter before they go on their hunt, we discuss the tactics, the tips. Uh, I think next time we're going to kind of maybe go into the gear discussion a little more, too. We could have discussed the gear component a bit more. But um, if you like this, shoot me a message and let me know. Until next time, y'all get outside. Go have a blast. spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be old there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.